From the world-famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly. Greetings from the Smoothie King Center, where tonight Pelicans host the Phoenix Suns. Uh, glad that you're with us today. We've got a very, very busy Wednesday show for you. Uh, it is Wednesday, so that means it's a Wesley Wednesday, and then David Wesley at that will be here. Let's talk about Pelicans and Suns and the final five for the Pelicans this regular season as a part of our program today. Thinking spring a little bit, and that means golf at Augusta. The Masters kicks off tomorrow. Of course, the uh, the par three is today. Uh, practice rounds wrap up today, and we'll check in with Scott Rabelais from The Advocate. He is there covering and on the ground right now. So he'll join us today to help us preview the big golf tournament this weekend. And here in just a moment, Steve Weish from the NFL Network. Haven't talked to Steve since the playoffs, uh, but Steve is back with us today to help us continue our draft preview series. We'll get uh, kind of some overall thoughts on the draft from Steve Weish, and then he'll help us break down picks five, six, and seven, which would be the Raiders, Falcons, and Buccaneers. So glad to have Steve Weish with us here today. The NFL is expected to release its preseason schedule this afternoon. So we could very well know here by the time you get off work um, or out of school or whatever, um, who we'll see in the preseason on the Saints side of things. I'm anxiously awaiting that announcement. And then I'm, I'm hearing the regular season schedule maybe a week to 10 days. But the preseason st- schedule definitely comes out today. Congratulations to the UConn women, winners of the Women's National Championship last night in basketball. So the Huskies sweep both sides and do so for the first time since 04. They're the only school to have done so in this new millennium. And so they do that uh, with the win over Notre Dame last night. So we've got a busy show for you today. Again, Steve Weiss from the NFL Network in just a moment. Then Scott Rabelais from Augusta and David Wesley to talk hoops with us before we get out of here. Stay tuned, won't you? We'll talk about the draft in just a moment. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. As one Entergy customer to another, I have a tip for you. Download the free Entergy app. If my power goes out, I check the app. The outage maps let me know what's happening and when to expect my lights back on. It also makes it easy to pay my bill and manage my account, all right from my smartphone. Download the app today or visit EntergyApp.com for more information. Giving me control in the palm of my hand, that's the power of people. Entergy. 
Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Still to come on today's Black and Blue Report, David Wesley on a Wesley Wednesday. We'll talk Pelicans and Suns tonight at the Smoothie King Center. Also check in with our reporter at the uh, Masters as they get going in full earnest today. I guess play begins tomorrow. But first up, football-wise, we bring in one of our old friends. Uh, Not old because he's not, well, he's not old. Steve Weish, help me out here. Old isn't good, right? Old friend isn't good. Yeah? We can can, can say good or experienced because I am old. There you go. Experienced. Uh, Steve Weish, you'll remember, was with us during the Saints season from the NFL Network. He's one of our favorites, and he's here to help us uh, in our draft preview series. Um, Steve, first of all, does the draft in May help everybody in the league out a little more? Well, you know, it, it always does. If you know, first off, if you pick right, but you know, it, it's a, it's a deep draft. Um, of course, there's a lot of teams with more immediate needs than others, but this is where you you know you you build your core for the future every year because you know there's going to be coaching turnover at some point, so. There's going to be you know, a, a, a nucleus of guys there that that coaching staff can, can build around. And the, the existing coaches, you know, again, this is where, you know, every year you kind of replenish because as we're seeing with the changes in the salary cap, look at the Saints, for instance. You know, they've lost a lot of good players because of salary cap issues. It affects every team, but they've got a good core of guys from good drafts. You know, you see last year hitting on guys like a Kenny Vaccaro, like a Kenny Stills, guys like that. So, so each year you get two or three guys and you can continue, again, to, to rebuild or to have, you know, a foundation for future years. Does the fact that we're not doing this until May 8, 9, and 10 uh, help teams, A, get ready for the draft, and B, mix free agency with draft needs? Yeah, you know, the free agency part of it is still kind of the same. But what this does, you know, I've talked to several front office guys about this, and most of them like it, uh, that the delay, because – they don't feel so rushed, you know. They don't feel so okay. We got to we have to get these free agents in by this date because you really have to grind for the draft. Now they've got two more weeks to do this, and what this also does is it allows teams. You know, we see you know the the teams with new coaches they're getting their players in for offseason workouts now. That started Monday, and then the other teams start April twenty first. But it allows teams so, so they don't the offseason workouts and the draft don't necessarily come in at once. It allows them to kind of do things in stages, kind of a natural breath in between the stages. So, again, teams don't feel quite as rushed to get everything done by certain dates or times. And, and you know, it, it just gives them more time to prepare. Maybe some coaches in the front office have too much time to overthink the process. We'll see about that. But, again, most of the folks I talk to really appreciate kind of the breather. Steve Weiss from the NFL Network with us. Uh, Steve, our friend John DeShazer is up in Baton Rouge today at LSU's Pro Day. So we've got we've got schools that host their own pro day. We've got individual guys that host their own, I guess, showcase. You've got the NFL Combine, and then like for example, Cleveland is uh, prominently bringing in folks for their own style of workout, much like an NBA team would. Are we seeing a a, a sea change, if you will, in how these draft prospects are being evaluated by teams? No, I mean this is this is kind of been how it always is. You know, the the, the private workouts are always done on the college campus. You know, uh, you, you can't bring a guy into your facility and work him out. Um, so, you know, teams, coaches, whatever, front office guys, those some of the position coaches, whatever. Let's say up to you know LSU guys pro day today. Well, maybe they want to work out a couple guys. 
you know, in, in two days, you know, let's say, you know, Zach Mettenberger, the quarterback there, is coming off that injury. So let's say he has a pretty strenuous workout today. Well, a team wants to come back in two or three days to see how that knee's holding up to work him out. It can't, can he work out? You know, there's, there's all kinds of interesting ways about this. But in terms of the process, in terms of uh, teams bringing guys in for a visit, um, players doing their own individual kind of pro days like Johnny Manziel, that's nothing to do. I remember, you know, Matthew Stafford did something similar a couple of years ago when he was coming out of the University of Georgia. Um, so, yeah, the, the process, those things are, are real. That, that part hasn't changed. You mentioned earlier, and I don't want to misquote you, I think you said it was a, a rich, deep uh, draft class. Is that how you said it? Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's deep. Well, you know, you're going to be able to find really good players all the way through depending on the position. Well, why do you think that's this is the case this year? What, what is it? Is it names, or is it just sheer volume at, at different positions? It, it, it's volume. There's a lot of good underclassmen coming out. I mean, this is a big group of underclassmen that have come out. I know a couple of years ago the league thought, that by going to the rookie wave scale, players would be more patient. Saying, okay, well, you know, if I wait another year, I'm not really going to get that much money, that much more money than if I come out now so I can get coached a little more. But it's kind of having the adverse effect. I won't say adverse, but having the opposite effect in that, you know, players are saying, well, if I come out my junior year, I can get to my, you know, even though there's a, there's a rookie scale, I can get to that second and big contract when I'm 24 years old, still in my prime, is far more attractive if I wait a year and come on and get to that second contract when I'm 25 and 26, and teams might start to view me as an older, declining player. Steve Weish, fans, is a must-follow if you're going to cover the uh, football game, and, of course, he's with the NFL Network. Steve, we've been doing this draft preview series. I've been kind of going team by team. I've had different, different folks chime in. I was wondering if you couldn't help me uh, with the teams picking at 5, 6, and 7. That would be the Raiders, Falcons, and Bucks. Uh, how, do you have a thought on maybe what each of those two te- or the, those three teams are looking forward five, six, and seven, and perhaps maybe overall what their needs may be going into the draft? Sure. Well, let's go to the Raiders. You know, this is the first time in a while they've had a first round draft pick since the Carson Palmer trade. Uh, they're they're looking at a variety of positions. You know, we see them in free agency stack up on a bunch of guys thirty three and thirty four years old. They should be very competitive. I do not think they're going to go quarterback with the first pick because of the acquisition of Matt Schaub and the trade. Wouldn't stun me if they did, but I think they have too many other areas to address. I think you're going to look at them, look at the offensive linemen, uh, some of these excellent offensive tackles, you know, like a Jake Matthews, like a, a Robinson out of Auburn, or Tyler Lewan out of Taylor Lewan out of Michigan, or a defensive player. You know, the Khalil Mack, an outside linebacker who's a, a pass rusher. He's a complete guy. He doesn't have really a category. Somebody they could look for there. But going into this draft, they have got to fortify all the way through the draft the offensive line. I mean, they've, they've got to continue to build that way and add some players to the linebacker in the secondary. Now let's go to Atlanta at six. No bones about it. They have got to go offensive line. They, you know, we, we hear so much about the defense. But if, if a Khalil Mack is there, the linebacker from uh, the University of Buffalo, could could really you know be a, be a tough decision there because he's such a good ball player and they really don't have an excellent linebacker. But if you're going to invest 120 million dollars in Matt Ryan, you see him get pounded year after year since he signed that contract. You have got to find a way to protect him. Uh, and then lastly, Tampa Bay. This is interesting because they they spent so much of their uh, free agency and offseason fortifying that defense. That's what Lovey Smith told me that he wanted to do. 
people. You heard him come out and say the other day, because they've dismantled their offensive line. They've got rid of David Joseph. They've got rid of Donald Penn, trying to move some other guys. I, I can see them going the offensive line as well. And as they get deeper into the draft, Florida has conversations with Bobby Smith. They're going to be looking for some tight ends. They, they feel that you know, tight end and wide receiver are other positions that they've got to fortify, especially tight end. So that kind of tells you, what uh, their new offensive coordinator, Jeff Tedford, and what type of offense they want to do in incorporating, if not just one, two tight ends. Interesting stuff right there. I think you're right on the money on all three of those. And when it seems as obvious as that, Steve, um, it does make for an interesting draft when the team will throw a curveball at you, won't it? Well, I mean, the, the whole the whole thing is going to be shaped, really, at least the front end of the draft, by what St. Louis, well, actually what Houston does. Um, I frankly don't see how they can, they can pass on Jadavion Clowney. Um, but should they, then that number two pick that the Rams hold right now, someone's going to dive down and get clowned. Be it the Falcons, be it, you know, someone's coming in to get that pick. Otherwise, I could really see the Rams using it, um, even though they've got some really good young defensive ends right there. Um, but that could, that could change exactly what happens um, on the front end with those first two picks. I mean, that could really, you know, determine – who does what? Of course, the Rams and Browns have those two first-round picks, um, and, and they could swing some trades as well to kind of affect other teams' plans. Who's the team laying in the weeds that wants to trade up that high? Who can do it? Well, you know, again, I think Atlanta is a team that that would come up that high. Uh, it would not, even though um, they, the, the Bucks have made the moves. It would not stun me. I know Lucky Smith loves the Davian Clowney. Uh, so no teams coming in from the teams necessarily to do that because they're going to have to mortgage a lot to move that far up. And the Rams have already come out publicly and said they don't expect to get an RG3 type of Rams. You know, the Rams when they got from the Redskins for RG3 when they moved, when they gave up the number two pick, they don't expect that type of ransom. Um, but, but there will be teams. Jadavion Clowney is, is viewed very, very highly. I don't think he's viewed as highly enough for teams to try to jump up to number one because I do think the Texans would move off that pick if the team wants to come up. But if he gets to two, um, I do think the Rams would be in business. Interesting. So if you had to give me four or five guys that could be the potential number one overall pick, is it the kid from Buffalo, Clowney, and then perhaps a quarterback? Is that how it would go? Yeah, it, it, it would be. You know, I, I don't think, um, you know, even though the Texans have got to start regrouping their offensive line because it is built for that zone-blocking scheme. They do have issues at right tackle. It is right tackle. Dwayne Brown running a pro bowl at left tackle. I don't think they go that way. Um, again, no, none of us should be blown away if they draft a quarterback because that's the position that they need. Their main backup is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, and we know he's he's probably good for six or seven games, but not for 16. Yep. And as good of a pass rusher as Clowney may be, um, Teams that win the Super Bowls tend to be more so quarterback play. We've seen guys have 20 sacks in the season. The team's not even make the playoffs. So at some point, Houston's got to get a quarterback. Wouldn't stun me. Um, but, yeah, Sammy Watkins could be a sleeper. Teams really love him, the wide receiver out of Clemson. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be, it's gonna be you, know, you know one of those pass rushes, Mac or Clowney or quarterback to go number one. Interesting. Good stuff, my friend. I, I, I'm sorry it had been so long since we, we uh, reached out to you, but um... – you're always gracious, and I really appreciate it. You're a busy man doing football and basketball. You know, just fit me in when you can. Well, come on now. <laughs> come on now. 
We'll be really busy, you and me both, coming up here. NFL Draft is now just a month away, if you can believe that. Steve Weiss, our guest from the NFL Network. Steve, um, enjoy a little bit of downtime if you can before it really heats up all over again. Absolutely, you too. Steve Weish on the Black and Blue Report still to come. We'll talk the Masters from Augusta, Georgia, and we'll also bring David Wesley and talk Pelicans and Suns tonight. Back in a moment. Sirius XM subscribers now have a place to talk NBA 24-7. Sirius XM NBA Radio. To the lane, lays it up, he lays it up! With experts like Steve Kerr, Kenny Smith, Lionel Holland, Sam Mitchell, Jerry Stackhouse, and many more. Plus, guest appearances by NBA players, coaches, and GMs. Get closer to this. LeBron to the rim with a two-hand jam. And this. Direct, fades and fires the rainbow 18-foot jumper is a thing of beauty. By listening to Sirius XM NBA Radio. Channel 217. And the Sirius XM app. There's no better time to join your Pelicans as we take flight. All-star Anthony Davis is taking his team to the next level. And the Pelicans are soaring to new heights. 2014-15 season tickets are on sale now and start at less than $300. With lower bowl options as low as $37 per game. Season ticket benefits include the best seat locations, discounts on concessions, and much more. Take flight with the Pelicans. For more info, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. You know, of course, there are a lot of things going on this week. None more big than, I guess, probably the Masters at Augusta. A tradition unlike any other, as they say on CBS. And so we'll start a new tradition here on the Black and Blue Report today and speak with somebody on the ground at Augusta. That's our friend Scott Rabelais from The Advocate. I got to say, uh, Scott, I'm jealous. I'm really jealous of where you are today. You know, I usually don't like to make people jealous. It's not my, my intention in life, but this week um, it doesn't bother me that much. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. This is great to be here. It's my favorite week of the entire year, my favorite thing to cover. The, the course had been closed there for a short time. Weather's been nasty. How's it going to look for the tournament this weekend? The weather was, was bad on uh, Monday. It was uh, rainy. They did have to close the course after only a couple of hours for the players and for the fans. But uh, yesterday was, was uh, a lot prettier, uh, cooler, drier today. Same thing. The weather forecast is very good for the rest of the week. So that's, that's great for the fans, and it should mean that the course will dry out and get firmer, and it'll be will be the kind of condition, be in the kind of condition that they want it to be, which is firm and fast, and that, that can make scoring a, a little a little difficult. It's it's uh, it's a it's a beautifully treacherous place, uh, Augusta, and uh, if you're not on your game, you can you can pay a price. So I think it's going to be pretty much like they want it to be. Beautifully treacherous. I love that description. That's my favorite so far. Thank you. When, well, let me just get right to the big question here. How different is this Masters without Tiger Woods in play? Well, there's no doubt it, it's different. And even someone like Phil Mickelson, who, uh, you know, is not a close friend of Tiger, let's say, you know, but yeah, certainly an, a, a longtime rival over the years. Even he, he brought it up on his own at his, his news conference yesterday, saying that it is a different vibe. And he basically said, in so many words, it, it's more fun to win a tournament, any tournament, certainly a major like this one, when Tiger's in the field. And so it's, it's definitely different. I mean, he's the world number one. He's the four-time champion. He's, uh, he's uh, a focal point. Everyone always talks about him. Everyone is still talking about him this year. There's two things that have kind of dominated the pre-tournament talk. One is Tiger not being here. Two is the uh, the loss of the Eisenhower tree, the famous tree uh, guarded the left half of the fairway on number 17 that uh, they lost in an ice storm in February. So um, 
Tiger will be back, and the tree will not. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, he's had this back surgery last month, and and uh, this possibility he could miss the entire major season, which of course runs through August in the PGA Championship. So we'll have to see. But uh, it's definitely different this year, and 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 makes it feel a little more wide open, uh, more than it already was this year. You mentioned Phil Mickelson. Let me say it. Let, let's let's do a little fun. Let's have a little fun here. If I gave you. Mickelson, Rory McIlroy, who's another big name, and the defending champ, Adam Scott. Would you take any one of those three to win it, or would you take the rest of the field? Well, you, you always should take the field because you know, golf tournaments are so hard to win. I mean, you, you, know, you win 2 or 3% of the time in your career, and you can be a Hall of Famer. You know, there's, there's that kind of sport. But uh, so I guess I would I guess I would take the field. All those guys have a little something that makes you wonder uh, what about their chances this week. Phil versus a three-time winner. He can tie Arnold Palmer and Tiger Woods for the second most green jackets if he wins this week. Uh, had the win in the British Open last year, which is something no, no one thought he would do. Comes in here, though, hasn't played well so far this year. He's tied for, he tied for 12th at Houston last week. That was his best finish of the year. So it's his poorest lead-up to the Masters in many years. Usually he's won a tournament by now. But something about this place always kind of rejuvenates him, so we'll see if that's the case. Uh, Adam Scott, yeah, he, you know, he has a chance to go to world number one if he, if he finishes tied for second at least this week. Uh, you know he's uh, got Tiger's old swing, got Tiger's old caddy. He's look, you know, he looks like a guy to beat. But you know, he he had that big lead at uh, Arnold Palmer's tournament and and blew it uh, on the final day, and so that's a little bit of a concern. People may remember he blew that that lead with four holes to play in the British Open two years ago to Ernie Els, and then Rory McIlroy. He's never tied, done better than tied for 15th uh, this year, uh, the Masters. Uh, had that uh, had that big lead in the final round uh, back in 2011 and almost hit a house uh, off the number 10 tee. Uh, he seems to be in pretty good form this year, uh, but there is that, that kind of ghost haunting him there of that, that final round collapse uh, back in 2011. So all those guys have a little bit of something that makes you go, eh, I'm not quite ready to pull the trigger on them as a, as a the favorite. Interesting. Scott Rabelais from The Advocate here with us on the Black and Blue Report covering the Masters at Augusta National. Uh, 97 golfers to tee it off tomorrow. 24 of those, I think, Scott, are first-timers at Augusta. Is it unrealistic for any first-timer to make a showing on Sunday? That's a, that's a really good question because there are so many in the field, and you think somebody's got a chance to, to break through. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, some first, there's some very prominent first-timers to, to, you know, local fans and the golf fans. Uh, one is uh, is uh, uh, Billy Horschel, the defending champion of the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. Uh, he got in this year's field by winning in New Orleans last year. So uh, you know, he's someone who's you know, had some good finishes and, and is someone to watch. Uh, Patrick Reed, a former University High golfer who went to school here in Augusta State, won two national championships with Augusta State, um, has played the course a little bit in college and then came back to play this week. He's uh, at number two in the FedEx Cup points and uh, one of the you know hotter golfers in the world. He's won three times since last August which is tied for the most on the tour with Jimmy Walker, who's the FedEx Cup points leader. Also his first uh, first Masters, kind of, definitely a guy who's flying under the radar a little bit. Not, not too many people are you know, talking about Jimmy Walker as being one of the top contenders, but these are guys who have been playing well in the last year, since, since the last Masters, and, and are worth watching. But yeah, you, with so many first-timers in the field, you feel like somebody's got a shot. But this is, this is a tournament where typically experience plays a huge factor. This is the 78th Masters. There's only three first-time winners in the history of the tournament, and only one of them since 1935. That was Fuzzy Zeller back in 1979. So it's, it is typically a hard thing to do. How many years have you covered that tournament in person? 
this will be my seventh time, eighth time here overall. I came once as a fan, but uh, seventh time to cover it. How do you go about this process, having never, never done it myself? Do you do you follow a group in particular? Do you do you stay at one hole? How does one do it from your angle? You know, some people will stay here in the media center all week, you know, pretty much, never leave the, the this area or the clubhouse area. But I like to get on the course there every day. I like to go out and experience it and, and, and yeah, do follow people around. It, it's always been hard to follow a Tiger Woods or a Phil Mickelson or something like that. But typically we have some players with some local ties or that's some local interest in. So, so I will certainly go follow Patrick Reed, and I, I will certainly, uh, you know, look for uh, Billy Horschel and try to go. He's out on the course uh, while we're talking right now in, in this final practice round. And then maybe go check out those guys in the top three tournament uh, Wednesday afternoon. So, so you try to you try to get out and, and experience the course with, with some of those guys and see what they're doing. But by by Sunday afternoon, by the time the leaders get to the back nine on Sunday, you pretty much have to come back and watch it in the press center because it's just so crowded and so hard to move around on the course when you know all the people are kind of focused out in that part of the course. So like last year in the playoffs when uh, Adam Scott beat Angel Cabrera, it was raining and it was too many people out there. It was getting dark. You just pretty much had to watch it from in here, and then then you have to start riding. Scott, write me a headline for tomorrow morning. What have you got going in that uh, will be at the top of the list as far as storylines go? Uh, I'm like I said, I'm running about Tiger in the tree. You know, the, like I said, it's a wide open hole in 17. And it feels like a wide open Masters. It's definitely got a, a different feel. So I guess you know, you know, uh, a, 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 you know, it's a tradition like any other, but it, the tradition has taken a, a, a turn this year that, that feels a little bit different without you know some of those traditional elements there. It's a very traditional tournament because it's the one major that is played at the same place every year. So you come back year after year and say, "This is where you know Tiger chipped in and uh, to win in 2005, and this is where this is where Bubba Watson hit the shot out of the trees in the playoff to win in 2012, and this is where Jack Nicklaus made that putt." And and, and that, without Tiger, without the Eisenhower tree uh, as, as two examples, it's a little different. So I think it's the you know wide open Masters would be the would be the headline. Sounds good. I think that's where we should finish. By the way, how's your golf game? Unfortunately, I haven't touched a club yet this year. I'm, I'm watching. Hopefully, I'll be inspired this week to get out there. It's, a, it's it's been a cold winter. That's what I'm telling myself. It's been a cold winter. It sure has, and I have a feeling you'll have the itch to play after being at that place all weekend long. Absolutely. Scott Rabelais with us from The Advocate. Scott, thanks. Enjoy it all, very much. We'll be looking for your work there, of course, online and in print, too. My great pleasure. Thank you. Scott Rabelais with us on the Black and Blue Report. We'll continue right after this. Hey there, what you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm going to hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. Guess what day it is? Hump day? Well, yeah, and it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. 
Well, my conversation with Scott Rabelais at Augusta National uh, has got me in the mood for golf, that's for sure. Speaking of golf and basketball, David Wesley joins us here on a Wesley Wednesday. Finally, you're anchoring our coverage today, Dub. Woo-hoo! And we thought we'd have you come in after golf talk. Which uh, I love. Yes, I know. I know. Are you going to watch the Masters this weekend? I am. I am. Uh, we're going to be uh, on the road part of it, but uh, all the downtime I have in the hotel rooms, I will be, and then we'll be back in time for that final Sunday. That's right. That's right. Uh, speaking of finality or final finality, uh, <laughs> the Pelicans are down to it. Their last five starts tonight against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, before I get to that, though, Brooklyn beat Miami again last night. Only team to sweep Miami in a season series. Um, can Brooklyn contend in the East, or is this a one-horse race in the Eastern Conference? Well, uh, I think that game uh, – what was it, last night or the night before that they just beat them, beat what? Miami? It was last, last night. night. Yeah. Um, I think that one matters a lot more than the first three. Um, again, Miami's not really playing great, as not as bad as the Pacers, but uh, not really playing that great towards the end of the season. But playoff basketball is just different. It's just, it's just different. And um, – the way it's shaping up, they could see them in the second round. Could be interesting. The Memphis Grizzlies are 13 games over 500, and if the playoffs were to start today, they're out. Meanwhile, the eighth seed of the East, Atlanta, 34 and 43, <laughs> nine games under 500. Now we've talked about this a little bit all season long, but if you're commissioner today, are you reshaping the playoff? picture or is this just one of those years where it sucks to be you well i figured if they this game is changing constantly different rules different ideas uh you know they're talking about the lottery and the you know coming out of school early and all those kinds of things uh i certainly think it's one of those things you gotta look at but you gotta think it's been that way for a long long time the west is always you know, their eighth spot is 48 wins. And you look over in the East and, you know, eighth, ninth spot is getting in at 36, 37, 38 wins. So, um, I, you know, I, it's just the way it is. And I don't, I don't think um, – do you, do you want to see the Eastern Conference teams not be in to never see teams um, – that are those lower seeds, or would you want to just keep it to always seeing eight Western Conference and one Eastern Conference team in the playoffs? But if you if you change the schedule, though, if you make it more of a balanced schedule, you'd have to first of all you'd have to change the regular season in order to do this, right? Like right now, you only see the teams in the East two times. Mm-hmm. That would have to change. You'd have to do some kind of another scheduling format. If you're going to just and then that do would be, away with the conferences. And that would be hard on the players. Uh, you think about 82 games and traveling as much as, as they do, traveling to the east more often, traveling all the way to the – you know, you talk about L.A. Or, or Sacramento or, you know, all those teams on the far west traveling all the way to the far east coast to play games. Is that fair for them? I don't know. Is it fair that the – Eastern Conference teams in that Northeast Corridor only have 
an hour or less travel to each of those other cities where New Orleans, Memphis, Minnesota, Oklahoma, all those teams, you know, their, their, their shortest trip, and it's only one team or two teams, is an hour or more. I, I don't know. I mean, we could you could divide this up a thousand ways. Oh, absolutely. But at the same time, my whole thing is how much longer do you do you let the the teams that are at five hundred or below five hundred reap the benefits of being in the playoffs, and these teams that put together seasons like Memphis and now Phoenix hanging on to the eighth seed and all that, you know. So, so what's the reward? I guess so. You get forty eight wins and you miss out on the playoffs. All right. So, oh, and by the way, now you're stuck on the lottery situation too because you didn't lose enough like the other teams to even have a decent pick. So what you're saying is you would put in basically 12 Western Conference teams almost. I think it would be about 12, which would only be six from the East. Well, let's see here. I mean, if you looked at the standings as of today, so you pretty much you'd have to take Golden State, Dallas, Phoenix, Memphis out, okay, and Miami, Indiana, Miami, Indiana, uh, <laughs> and that's it. That's that's the only two teams with with more than forty five wins. Five right. wins. Yeah. So you'd have fourteen so might, Western well, Conference yeah, teams. It'd be eight, eight in the well. You'd have eight, nine. You'd have nine in the West. You'd have nine Western Conference teams, and then the rest would be. Um. So then, still forty five wins would get in. Well, it looks like it, yeah, as you look at the standings right now. So Chicago, Toronto, Indiana, Miami would come over. Because you've got 16 spots to fill. Right. Right. I would just say that in this scenario you're talking about, it looks like 9 of the 16 would be, 9 or 10 of the 16 would be from the West. But, hey, but, but as long as you have divisions, division winners would get in. Yeah, and right now. Away, you'd have to do away with the divisions. Would that be fun? Everybody has divisions. Just give me the 16 best records and let's go. Yeah, but everybody has divisions. Okay, great. What do you, what's that get you? Every, every team, every sport has divisions. And the division winner gets in. Yeah. You just want to mess over everybody. I just want the 16 best teams. Well, the, be- the best 64 teams aren't in the, the NCAA. The, so they supposedly are. Allegedly. SMU didn't get in. They were 69. <laughs> they were 69? Well, they, now, they've added, right. now they've added 66 teams in because they got that one playoff game. All right, so you win your game. division, you're in. Okay, there's six. All right, so 45 gets in this year. See, you're just being, you're just being an antagonist. I, I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. I mean, th- I mean you, could, you could crunch these a, a thousand different ways to try to change it. But there's always going to be that team in there that you say, oh, my gosh, why are they there? But the East is a grind it out, slug it out, punch right. it out league. Okay. And the West is wide open and free-flowing and 150 points a game. It's always been that way. You're not exaggerating, are you? <laughs> no, not no, at all. No. <laughs> you know, it's it's 75 in the East and 150 no. in the so West. You're, you're making it out to be that the East is still this, you know, hardcore 
Big Ten defensive grind it, muck it up league. It's it's not. Sorry, they can't do either thing. No, it's not. It, no. It's, it used to be, but it's not yes. as much anymore. No. Okay. Which was the reason why they only won X amount of games because they were slugging it out and beating each other up. Now it's just. They're just bad. Just kind of bad, I bad. guess. Yep. Yes. Let's move along, shall we? Yeah, we Pelicans shall. and Suns tonight. Has, has Phoenix surprised you? Are the, is Jeff Hornacek the coach of the year? In my book, when I when I started looking at it, uh, Dwayne Casey, um, also, uh, you know, won one A kind of thing, but I think Hornacek wins it in my book. Okay. I mean, a, a team that won twenty seven games last year. Something like that. I'll take your word for it. I don't have it in front of me, but yeah. Yeah, I think it was. I think they won. It wasn't a lot, and now they're you know um, considerably better. Um, how many? How many Phoenix Suns players can the average fan name off? Average? average. Uh, not many. Because they don't. They don't. They don't have that superstar that's on the billboards. They don't have the all star that's, you know flashing lights that have been around for 10 years and you know, the uh, uh, the Stoudemire's and the Nash's and, um, you know, those guys are gone. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the, the guys that are there, though, play really well together yeah, and, no doubt. And, and play their uh, positions well. They have two guards that have just lit it on fire. Uh, I was reading somewhere – they have the highest scoring average of any Suns team since 91-92. That's crazy when you think about the teams you just rattled off, by the way. Yes. I mean, that's uh, – he's done a great job. Yeah. And they, they, they're playing, obviously, with a lot of confidence. you got the two Morris brothers who come off the bench who are just – want to come off the bench because they play well together, right. which is – I mean, you don't see that a lot uh, much anymore. So, what a team. And they're tough, scoring a lot of points. Producer Dan says three. I say two, probably. Dragic and Bledsoe, probably. And Bledsoe's just back here recently after being injured. So Bledsoe wasn't a household name before this year. Mm, but, again, in the Western Conference, it was tossed around a little bit because, if you remember, he was being shopped around. Everybody you, wanted but you Bledsoe. Said average, Everybody wanted Bledsoe. You said average, average fan. fan. Not average avid fan. fan. Average fan. Average fan wouldn't... Mm, don't knock on average fan now. <laughs> I'm not trying to knock on average fan. I mean, all the fans are great, even yeah. the, you know, weekend warrior fans. But average fan? Yeah, you may be right. Not, I mean, I'm not saying that no average fan would name them, but I don't think it'd be a ton. How much can the Pelicans get out of Anthony Davis in the last five? Um, well... His previous five, because he's missed a lot of minutes, he's averaging 10 points and four rebounds. Yeah, is, that, is, that is it worth you, it? Is that why you've lost five? Is that the biggest reason? Um, I think a combination with him and Tyreek Evans, um, you take Tyreek's numbers are looking more like his coming off the bench numbers, around mm-hmm. 14 and 4-4, four and four, as opposed to his March numbers where he was lighting it on fire. And, of course, AD, his March numbers are on fire. These last five for both of them have been way below average of, of those numbers. So uh, I think when you have so many guys out, if your best players aren't playing well, 
it's it's I mean it's already tough enough to win. Yeah. If your best players aren't playing well, it's it's almost impossible. Yeah. Here are the games that remain here for the Pelicans: Suns tonight. Then you go uh, Oklahoma City, Houston, Oklahoma City, Houston. The next time we have a Wesley Wednesday, it will be the last day of the regular season. Um, this this stretch of five games against those five teams or those three teams over the next five. Um, what will you be watching for? What will what is there something you've got that says I want to see this, or I'm just going to wait and see how this goes? What do you want to do with it? Well, uh, I think f- for me, um, the fact that Anthony Davis shouldn't be playing um, because this is one thing that that it's it's really tough to play with a bad back, and it's really something you don't play with. You don't you don't mess around with a back. Once that goes, I mean, getting up in the morning stinks. You play with Tracy McGrady. You know. I have, and okay. and it, it was ugly when his back went out. Uh, John Barry also had a terrible back, and when his went out, ugly. So um, caution on the side of, of being too careful at this point I think makes sense. Uh, Anthony wants to play, so I would see his minutes shortened. I, I could see that happening if they don't shut him down completely. And um, without Anthony Davis in the lineup, it's it's next to impossible. Uh, you know, when you talk about Drew Holiday, Jason Smith, Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon, all out of the lineup, and now you take, you know, your, your one franchise player. I, you know, I, I, I think the, the young guys like Withy has been – uh, showing some signs of figuring out this game a little bit, knowing where he's supposed to be, being on time, blocking shots. Watch guys like him develop. Uh, Miller, another guy who seems to be playing with a little more confidence. How is he going to develop? Um, and, and those are the those are the two guys that kind of stand out to me. You know, for next year, can they? improve enough to be a, a big part of this team. All right. Uh, I, th- I like that. I like what Randy Ayers said, by the way, on the road trip. He, you know, he kind of looked at the team and said, hey, this is when we figure out who's going to be here and who's not going to be here and how you are accountable to each other. You know, and, and the thing about late in the season, nothing to play for, the one thing that most fans don't see is professionalism. But as important as it is to go out and play like a professional, everything around the game has to be professional. You know, being on time, showing up with a little bit of energy, uh, coming to work every day. Um, And those will stand out when the player evaluations happen right after Mm -hmm. the season and the coach are, you know, hey, this guy, this guy, locker room, attitude, those kind of things will play a big part in what guys will be here and won't be here next year. All right. You'll be here tonight, though, right? Yeah, I'll be here. I'll be on time, yes. uh, just like I'm supposed to be, um, because that's what I do. I am a professional. Yes, and 30-foot hook shots will be in order later. Th- that is professional work we do out there, and we love it. Right? You know what? When they shut that down, for whatever reason, because you hit a fan or something, <laughs> it will be the saddest day of, of, of the year. All right, fair enough. Come early to see that. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll see David and Joel on TV. I'll have the call on the radio tonight. Pelicans start their uh, uh, first uh, – I'm not even phrasing this right. 
Tonight starts the last. See, help me out here. There's Today's... three home games left, David. Yes. Tonight is the first of those last three. Yes, there okay. you go. There Way go. to work it out, you know. Just give you time. All right, on that note, <laughs> we'll go to a break. This is the Black and Blue Report, Pelicans and Suns tonight. We'll wrap up this Wednesday edition, a Wesley Wednesday, right after this. Dan Evans reporting live on the street for Newsbeat. People all across Louisiana are going crazy over getting their refund check. Reporter dude, I just got my refund check totally awesome. It seems a bit early to be getting a tax refund check, but wait. I just got word from the control room that refund check is a new scratch-off from the lottery where you could win up to $4,000. You can get your refund check at any lottery retailer, but you must be at least 21 to purchase. Refund check from the lottery rocks. Dude. Your New Orleans Pelicans take flight on Wednesday, April 9th, when the Phoenix Suns come to town. It's Entergy Coastal Restoration Night at the Smoothie King Center, where the first 5,000 fans in attendance receive a Pelicans car charger, courtesy of Entergy. Tip-offs at 7 p.m., with the Pelicans Fest pregame block party getting underway at 5.30, featuring live music, interactive games for the kids, and more. Tickets start as low as $11 and are available now at pelicans.com. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Tickets start as low as $11 for tonight's Suns-Pelicans game at Smoothie King Center. It's Entergy Coastal Restoration Night tonight. I think the first 5,000 folks in the door get a cool uh, car charger. It's the one where you're... I'm going to blow the technical talk here, Daniel. uh, Where your USB goes in. And so you can use your little Apple or Android device... And stick it in there and charge while you're in the car without having to buy a whole new deal. There you go. Okay, so again, thanks to Entergy for that tonight. 7 o'clock tip-off. Tickets available, as I mentioned, starting at $11. We'll have the broadcast tonight on the radio starting at 7 across the New Orleans Pelicans radio network. Otherwise, on television at Fox Sports New Orleans, their pregame show starts at 6.30. Tomorrow night, don't forget, another edition of the Monty Williams Show. And then tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report, we'll recap... The uh, ball game tonight. We'll also um, Buffalo Bills tomorrow. Oh, that's right. We're going to look at pick number eight in our draft preview series. See, Dan's right here, and so I'm glad that he's helping me preview tomorrow's show. All right, so thanks again to Steve Weiss today from the NFL Network, Scott Rabelais at Augusta, and, of course, David Wesley. John DeShazer will be helping us out with tomorrow's show, too. And a special guest maybe says Lou Schumann, by the way. Do I get to hint at this? Is it a movie star? Could be. All right, that'll be tomorrow. So hopefully we're talking about a Pelicans win and the NFL draft and a movie star tomorrow. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. I'll see you on the radio tonight. I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.